Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 640 for the 28th of April, 2019. This week, carrying important information around on an unencrypted phone, computer, or thumb drive is dangerous, but you might think that encrypting important files is difficult. It's not. In short circuits, the prices for solid-state disk drives continue to drop. Two-terabyte SSDs are now available for about $100. If you've ever had to deal with a stubborn Windows update that simply will not install, you might find the process I used this month to be helpful. Adobe is working on a new feature for Illustrator, one that may seem more than a bit odd to you, but I think digital artists are going to like it. In spare parts, only on the website, the online reservation service OpenTable is promoting the use of dining mode for Mother's Day and possibly for other important and not-so-important occasions. It involves ignoring your phone. And a company has released a system that can generate up to 70 trillion passwords per second. Does that make you nervous? Thumb drives are large enough to carry tens of thousands of documents in a pocket or attached to a key ring. They're easy to use and easy to lose. What happens if you lose one or somebody steals it? A lost thumb drive should be safe because nobody should ever pick up a lost thumb drive and stick it into a USB slot on a computer. That's because crooks sometimes lose drives around government or company office buildings, hoping that somebody will pick it up, take it inside, and put it into a computer. And people do, sometimes even those who should know better. So saying the data should be safe isn't the same as saying the data will be safe. A stolen thumb drive, though, is a different story. Somebody who steals one of these drives either knows or hopes that it contains some interesting data. If the data on the thumb drive is encrypted, it is much less likely that files will be compromised. Encryption is relatively easy using an application called VeraCrypt, which is generally considered to be a successor to TrueCrypt. TrueCrypt, which is still available, no longer is considered to be safe, though. Development ended in May of 2014, 10 years after its initial release. It was provided without charge, as is VeraCrypt. Any existing bugs in the TrueCrypt code, and keep in mind that all software has bugs, those bugs have not been corrected in the past five years, and encryption technology continued to evolve. So if you're looking for a way to protect files on a mobile device, whether that be a phone, a computer, or a thumb drive, VeraCrypt is a good choice. VeraCrypt can encrypt entire disk drives, including the drive containing the operating system, but I'll be describing how to create an encrypted thumb drive. Other options involve creating an encrypted folder on a thumb drive and creating an encrypted partition on a thumb drive. If you carry a notebook computer that contains files with proprietary information, either yours or your company's, encrypting the entire drive would be well worth considering. 
and Veracrypt's documentation explains how to do that. Veracrypt is available for Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and Android. Compared to TrueCrypt, Veracrypt has better security so that it is less susceptible to brute force attacks. When a system partition is encrypted, TrueCrypt used an algorithm with 1,000 iterations. That may sound like a lot, but Veracrypt runs 327,661 iterations. For standard containers and other partitions, TrueCrypt used 2,000 iterations at most, and Veracrypt runs either 655,331 iterations or 500,000 iterations, depending on the protocol. As a result, Veracrypt volumes open a little more slowly, but this affects only the initial mount process, and it makes the encrypted data much more secure. So let's look at the process of creating an encrypted thumb drive. Veracrypt can be run as a portable application, and that means without installation, but I'll be describing a process that involves installing the application on the computer. The screenshots you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website that illustrate installation and use are from a Windows 10 computer. So if you're installing on a Mac OS computer or a Linux computer, there will be cosmetic differences. Veracrypt offers three options for encrypting thumb drives. First, encrypt the entire USB flash drive. This is the process I'll be demonstrating. The limitation is that you cannot run Veracrypt from the USB flash drive. It must be installed on the computer. Second, create a second partition on the USB drive for encryption and store Veracrypt in the primary partition on that drive. Windows can access only the primary partition on thumb drives, but Veracrypt can mount encrypted drives from extended partitions. This is a much more flexible process, but it does require the user to create partitions on the thumb drive and to understand the differences between primary and extended partitions. The process is fully described in the documentation, and we'll take a look at it later here. And third, create a Veracrypt file container on the USB flash drive. That's the easiest option, but it's also the least flexible. There are also limitations on how large that encrypted container can be. If you're following along, make sure that the thumb drive you plan to encrypt is empty, or that it contains no important data, because the encryption process will delete any files that are on the drive. That's important, and I'll mention it again. Assuming that you have installed Veracrypt on the computer, have inserted the thumb drive, and have confirmed that it contains no files you want to keep, start Veracrypt and click Create Volume. That will open a volume creation wizard. Select the middle option, which is Encrypt a non-system partition or drive, and click Next. Windows users will also see a User Access Control dialog box at this point. The next dialog allows you to specify the type of volume to create. The options are Standard Veracrypt Volume and Hidden Veracrypt Volume. The Hidden option allows for what's called Plausible Deniability. If you suspect that you may someday be threatened with bodily harm unless you reveal the password for an encrypted device, choose the Hidden Veracrypt Volume option and then read the documentation that explains plausible deniability. For the example here, I'll be choosing standard Veracrypt volume. Once you've done that, click Next. And this is a critically important step. The next dialog box asks for the volume location. 
if you select the wrong location, any data on the drive you've selected will be deleted. So, be absolutely positive that you have selected the drive letter for the thumb drive you want to encrypt. In fact, check twice. Then click Select Device and find the thumb drive in the list of available drives and partitions. Select the partition, not the full drive, and then click OK. This will display the volume location and look again just to be sure you've made the right choice. And then click Next. Leave the option to create an encrypted volume and format it, selected, and press Next. Then we get to the encryption screen. And this one defaults to select the strongest encryption, AES, and the strongest hash algorithm, SHA-512. The default settings are the best option, so just leave those settings alone and click Next. Because we'll be encrypting the entire thumb drive, the options to specify a volume size are disabled. And at this point, it's a good idea to look once again to be sure the size is what you expect, just to make sure that you are encrypting and formatting the right device. Now you need to select a password. This should be a strong password and one you can easily remember. Veracrypt recommends that the password be at least 20 characters long and consist of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. The maximum length, 64 characters. When you have created and confirmed the password, the next button will be activated. Click it to continue to the Large Files screen. If you plan to store any file larger than 4 gigabytes, select Yes. Otherwise, leave the default setting, which is No, selected, and click Next. On the next screen, you can specify a file system, but Veracrypt will already have made a selection based on whether you need to store large files. This dialog box also has a bar graph near the bottom. Initially, it will be blank or red. Move the mouse around randomly on the screen for at least 30 seconds. The bar graph will become longer and eventually turn yellow and then green. Try to avoid moving the mouse in any discernible pattern. And what you're doing here is creating some randomness that will be used by the encryption process. Wait until the bar is green, or better still, wait until it reaches the right edge. That process could take several minutes. Then click Format. And formatting is going to take a while. It took the better part of an hour for my 64 gigabyte thumb drive. Once you've created an encrypted drive, you'll doubtless want to store some files on it. Before an encrypted drive can be used, it has to be mounted. Mounting the drive requires the Veracrypt application, and that does mean that Veracrypt needs to be installed on any computer where you want to use the encrypted drive. If you want the encrypted drive to be usable on a computer where the Veracrypt application has not been installed, you can create an encrypted folder on the drive, or create multiple partitions on the drive, and then copy the Veracrypt program to the unencrypted part of the drive. The folder option is described fully in the documentation, and I'll describe the multi-partition option in just a little bit. It's also in the documentation. So once you have Veracrypt running, choose a drive letter from the main window, and then click Select Device. Navigate to the encrypted device and click Mount. You'll be prompted to type the encryption password, and when you've done that, the encrypted drive will be mounted as whichever drive letter you selected. If you attempt to open the encrypted drive without mounting it, you'll see an error message, and the Windows File Explorer will tell you that the drive needs to be formatted before it can be used. Formatting the drive will destroy the Veracrypt data. 
You'll also see a warning from Windows when you insert a drive that's been encrypted or contains an encrypted partition. The warning will say that the drive cannot be used until it's been formatted. Of course, you don't want to format the drive unless you want to delete all of the encrypted data. Once you've mounted the drive, all of your data will be available for use. Then when you're finished using the data, it's best to unmount the drive using Veracrypt and then to choose the Safely Remove option in the notification area. Even if you don't do that, though, the encrypted drive will be dismounted and made unavailable when you shut the system down. There is a better way to do all of this, and it involves encrypting a secondary partition. If you'd prefer to create a secondary partition on the thumb drive so that Veracrypt can be stored on the main partition, you'll need to use the Windows Partition Manager. Delete the existing partition, again making absolutely certain that you have selected the thumb drive and that it is empty or contains no data you want to keep. Then create a new partition that will be unencrypted. This can be as small as 100 megabytes. I created a 1 gigabyte partition. You want to format that partition normally. Then create a second partition that consumes the remaining space on the thumb drive. You don't need to format it. When selecting the partition in Veracrypt, be sure to choose that second partition. Those are the only differences to watch for if you prefer that option. You'll need to run Veracrypt again and choose to unpack the files instead of installing the application. Copy the unpacked files to the primary partition of the thumb drive and run it from there when you want to decrypt the encrypted volume. The encrypted but unreachable drive will appear in the Windows File Explorer. The operating system will report it as being unformatted. You'll also see the unencrypted partition mounted as the drive that contains the Veracrypt application, and the encrypted drive will appear after it has been mounted. If you want to give it a try, download Veracrypt from the Veracrypt website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. In short circuits, huge solid-state drives are finally beginning to arrive. Well, all right, maybe not huge. After all, standard mechanical drives with four terabytes of storage are available for $100 to $200. So maybe a one-terabyte solid-state drive might not seem like much, but it's an indicator of changes that are on the horizon. In the middle of March, I said that it's time to seriously consider replacing your computer's boot drive with a solid-state drive because prices at that time had dropped a lot. Now, there's been another big drop. SanDisk, Samsung, Crucial, and Western Digital are all selling 1-terabyte SSDs for a little more than $100. Granted, for that same $100, you could have four times as much storage with a mechanical drive, but 1-terabyte is more than enough for most notebook computer users. Those who need more space can easily add one or more mechanical USB 3 drives. I bought a Lenovo notebook computer a few years ago to use as a secondary machine. It had a 1-terabyte mechanical drive that I replaced with a 500-gigabyte SSD. The mechanical drive is in a USB enclosure, and I use it for backups. And I would have preferred to install a 1-terabyte SSD in place of the mechanical drive, but I couldn't justify the price difference. Since then, I have replaced my primary computer, which was a large desktop machine, with a much smaller notebook computer, the notebook computer came with a 500-gigabyte SSD. 
Most of my files are stored on an external system that contains four mechanical hard drives with a combined capacity of about 11 terabytes. Wouldn't it be great if those could be solid-state drives? Maybe someday. Consumer-grade one-terabyte SSDs are so common that the future is clearly visible. SSDs with two-terabyte capacities are still in the $300 to $350 price range, but those prices will drop as manufacturing ramps up and economies of scale kick in. I'm not going to be replacing the mechanical drives that store data with SSDs anytime soon, but I am beginning to be able to imagine the time that that'll be possible. For now, the ability to install a super-fast 1TB SSD as a boot drive is enough to keep me satisfied. What about you? My secondary computer, the one I just mentioned, is enrolled in the Windows Insider program's Slow Ring. Although it's a secondary machine, I use the computer enough that enrolling it in the Fast Ring would make me very nervous. Even so, the Slow Ring is sometimes challenging. Take the March update, for example. The process started normally, but stalled either during the download process or the getting ready process. In most cases, the download part worked as expected, but the update never got beyond 97% of getting ready. There were some known problems with the update, so I didn't pay a lot of attention to the errors. The computer still booted and ran normally, and I figured the update would eventually get installed. Occasionally, the system would tell me that an update process had stalled and that rebooting the computer might allow it to continue. It didn't. In late March, I decided to force the issue and downloaded the update. Running the process manually also failed during the getting ready phase. By early April, I was becoming somewhat annoyed. I had booted to safe mode, I had deleted the update cache, I had spun my rubber chicken counterclockwise while murmuring the usual incantations. Nothing worked. The problem was becoming worrisome, and it was time to use a larger hammer because security updates were being blocked behind the failed Windows Insider update. So I went looking for the big hammer. Windows includes a recovery option, but it has only two choices by default. Keep files or remove everything. It seems like there should be a third option, one to keep files and applications. Well, there is such an option, but getting to it isn't particularly easy. What you need to do is update the computer from Windows 10 to Windows 10, and that requires the Windows 10 Media Creation Tool. And you'll find a link to the Media Creation Tool on the TechBiter Worldwide website. After downloading that file from Microsoft's website, you need to run it, select the option to create installation media on a USB drive. Well, once I had that, I had a third option. The setup.exe file can be run from the command line with several parameters. First is setup auto clean. Well, that deletes everything, creates a new Windows installation. That clearly is not what I wanted. Next was setup auto data only. That would delete the operating system and all applications, but keep my data files. That's not what I wanted either. And third, the baby bear option, set up auto upgrade. That updates Windows and keeps all data files and all applications. That's exactly what I wanted. That process ran normally and completed without error. Then I was able to run the Windows update process to get back on track. 
Sometimes you just have to smack the operating system upside the head with a 2x4 to get its attention. And if you're still using Windows 7 or Windows 8.1, there's also a media creation tool for those operating systems. You'll find a link to them on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Adobe's developers are looking at a technique that identifies colors in one image and then applies those colors to a vector image in Illustrator. At first glance, you might wonder why anybody would want to do that. What I see when I look at a video that's based on a presentation at the annual OFFF Festival in Barcelona this week is a feature that a designer could use effectively early in the development stage. The designer may simply want to see what a different palette of colors might look like on an object that the designer has already created. Doing that would normally consume a lot of time and take considerable effort. But the color transfer feature, when it's added to Illustrator, will make it possible for the designer to select an image and then have Illustrator replace the colors in the target image with colors from the sample. You'll see how this works. There's a video on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Adobe's developers and project managers are an inventive group, and they receive a lot of input from users. As a result, they receive a lot of ideas for new features, and currently many of the new features they're working on seem to involve the company's artificial intelligence technology, Sensei. Sensei, by the way, is a martial arts term that means teacher or one who comes before. For Adobe, it's what powers some of the most powerful new features, and sometimes powers a feature such as color transfer that might at first glance seem trivial, but offers capabilities that users are going to embrace and enjoy. At least that's my guess. Oh, and by the way, OFFF is possibly an initialism for a longer term in Spanish or some other European language. If so, I haven't been able to determine what that term might be. One possibility would be afterlife, which is used in the OFFF festival presence on Facebook. If you'd like to learn more about the festival and maybe plan a trip for next year, check out the OFFF Barcelona website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And of course, while you're on the TechBiter Worldwide website, check out Spare Parts because that is the only place you'll find it. This week, the online reservation service Open Table is promoting the use of dining mode for Mother's Day and maybe for other important and not-so-important occasions. It involves ignoring your phone. And a company has released a system that can generate up to 70 trillion passwords per second. Does that make you nervous? Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.